Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. We're on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro and at Mike Tagliere NFL. Tags, what's up, man? Oh, nothing, man. It's it's a beautiful day. There's no rain here in Illinois, and it's 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 finally what like are you talking I, I'm, about, dude. It's been raining all morning. Are you serious? I'm able to get some golf in from time to time now, like so. It's nice, but uh, I I do have a, sh- a story that I wanted to tell on the podcast because I, I told my daughter I was going to embarrass her, but it, it, it's I think <laughs> it's I think it's justified. Um, so we're in the car, and you know we're driving along the way. We're going to wherever we're going, and she goes, "Are we going up or down?" And I looked at her in the in the rearview mirror, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> And like it, 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 like it, you know, it, it triggered my mind. I, I knew what she was talking about, but then I was just like, "What?" And my wife, she goes to start talking, and and like you know, she cuts her off, and she's like, and she's like, "I'm talking about if we're going up or down on the map." Like and I'm like, "You mean north or south?" And she's like, "You know what I was talking about." And I'm like, "Is this what the new generation like th- what they do? You know, do they say up and down? Do they not know like north, east, south, west anymore?" I, I don't, I don't get it. Dude, Tags, I think that means that your daughter is really smart. It's called uh, synesthesia, I think is what it's called, where you, like, see colors. Or if you're talking about history, you see things, like, in a timeline out in front of you. Or when you see a calendar, it's, like, July is or January is up on the top left and everything like that. Really? I'm pretty sure that's something that, like, when you have a really high IQ, a lot of times people will get that. So I think that what it means is your daughter's smarter than you and would probably also beat you at a mock draft. That is terrible. And I mean, if she used my ranking, she probably would, <laughs> because sometimes I veer off of them because I just go on emotion. But uh, no, I, like when she said it, I was like, what are they teaching you in school? Like, is this a real thing? Like, I would love for people to tell me on Twitter or something. Just just to let me know if your kids do the same thing, because I didn't know if it was a generational thing and I'm just like completely out of touch. But when she said, are we going up or down? I was like, are you kidding me? I knew what she meant, man. Oh, wow. I totally knew. I was like, oh, what's, what's the big deal about this? <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> All right, man. So here's what we've got planned for today. We're going to start doing divisional previews. And so I'm not talking like from an NFL standpoint. This is from a fantasy standpoint. We're going to hit on all 30 or so fantasy relevant players from every single division. We're going to start with the NFC East today. And then afterward tags, we're going to talk about draft strategies. So, you know, zero running back, um, you know, where you're waiting for running back or what do you do in super flex leagues, streaming tight ends, all kinds of stuff like that, and how you actually execute those strategies. At the end tags, we're going to be doing a little three truths and a lie so hopefully you've got one prepared i think that'll be fun for people but i don't want to do it really at the start of the show the reason why is because i've actually got a segment just kind of a nonsense segment we don't really do too much nonsense stuff but you guys have liked this in the past so i brought it back it's called does tags know everything (laughs) so i got this idea because you know we've actually done it for two years now every once in a while and i was reminded as i'm reading all these reviews and by the way all those reviews they're entered in for the giveaway that we did the juju smith schuster helmet now we did choose a winner we already notified daniel that he won we're sending him a juju smith schuster signed helmet but it's not too late to get in for the next entry we're giving away a signed travis kelsey helmet at fantasypros.com contest you can check that out and it takes like 30 seconds to enter and by the way check out pristineauction.com the sponsor of today's show they've got all kinds of values you're gonna find something for your cave no matter who your team is and there's all kinds of cool stuff too like uh like movie quarterbacks and stuff with sign helmets whatever you want you're gonna be able to find it on pristineauction.com there's great values everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources at pristineauction.com pri S-T-I-N-E. And don't forget when you guys are registering, there's going to be like a, a code for you guys. If you guys put in fantasy pros, all one word inside that mark, they're going to get you, they're going to give you $5 off your order. So make sure to do that. It also helps out the show. 
And thank you so much for sending in all the reviews. Tegs and I read every single one. It's a lot of really nice stuff you guys are saying. We're really thankful for you guys. We really are. Um, but a lot of these are just like, that Tags guy, he knows everything. And they're right in fantasy football. But Tags, we're going to see if you actually know everything, even outside of fantasy football. This is the ready? worst because I'm like, I'm a, I'm a closet guy. Like I stay in and I study football stuff, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. I promise. I'll, I'll do my best. All right. Here we go. I don't think you've ever got one of these answers right, so uh, we'll see. I thought I got here. one, but I could be wrong. Here it comes. No cheating. That I'm means t- Tabby cannot sit in and give you answers. You can't look it up on Google. <laughs> so I've got pulled up right now a makeup essentials checklist with 13 makeup basics. Oh, my God. You need to name five of them. Makeup? Makeup. you got to name five of them, man. Otherwise, you don't know everything. I am so anti-makeup when it comes to stuff. Um, my daughter knows this. Believe me. Um, Tags is lying. He wears it on our videos at YouTube. I mean, do you want my five? Do you want mine or like the... No, not your five. What you think... You just need to name five that are on this list. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do this because my list involves, it says don't wear makeup. And, and if you do wear makeup, like you can use like little things to cover up blemishes. Um but the fa- sure, I'm not talking about like what you wear, man. I'm talking to like what most girls wear. Do you know any any types of makeup? Um, Have you well, ever foundation? heard of lipstick? Okay, you got mascara. One. Wow. Blush. Okay. Um, uh, eyeliner. I, wow. And uh, I mean, we could do lipstick. That I would consider that would constitute right. That doesn't count. I already gave you okay, that one. Right. You got to get um, it for one. Um, let me let me think. Um, yeah, there's like shimmer. Um, I don't. What? What is shimmer? It's like it's like this stuff in makeup. Uh, my daughter's. How do you, how do you know all this stuff? Because I have a sixteen year old daughter. Okay. Well, you just got five of them. So apparently, Tags does know everything, especially about. Makeup. I thought it was rules about makeup. Like I, like I can name makeup things, but I thought it was rules about them, and I was yeah. like, I don't know. That's the, that's really impressive. My man. rules is like you can do things to yeah. I, the cake down stuff. I thought five. I thought five was going to be too much. I did it myself. Because I saw it was 15, and I was like, how many would I be able to get? I got My daughter, I'm going to have her listen to this episode about the up and down thing, and now she's going to be proud of me that I was able to name five of them. Yeah, you're a good dad, apparently. Except for, uh, you know, trying to make fun of your daughter on your podcast in front of all these people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, let's get right into it. We've got the NFC East Divisional Preview. This is fantasy-relevant players, and we're going to start right at the top, um, at least in terms of where they finished the standings last season. It's the Dallas Cowboys. We've talked about Dak Prescott a ton. Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper. Let's talk about some other players. Um, Michael Gallup, we haven't mentioned him yet. Is he definitely the number two, or is it possible we're looking at Alan Hearns, Randall Cobb, even Tavon Austin getting some... Uh, some? No, snaps? Gallup's definitely the number two, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that Michael Gallup actually saw more targets per game once Amari Cooper got to the Cowboys. Now, that does coincide with a, a snap increase for Michael Gallup because he did start playing more. At, you know, he, As a rookie, he didn't play very much to start the season, but as the year went on, his target share was up there, and he was averaging over five targets per game, and that includes a zero-target game in between there. So he was consistently seeing six, seven, eight targets per game, and that's pretty big. I mean, when you look at his current ADP, I was looking, I went through each team that we're going to talk about today. And, you know, you have Amari Cooper at wide receiver 12. You have Michael Gallup at wide receiver 72. So doing the math here, I don't think a lot of people think about this stuff. They hear wide receiver, whatever. And they think about that. There's 32 NFL teams. Okay. You know, you have 64 starting wide receivers that are on the field in two wide receiver sets. Michael Gallup isn't part of that conversation right now. As, as far as ADP goes, I would argue that he's better than a lot of other wide receiver twos on other teams. So I think Michael Gallup should be inside the top 64 wide receivers. And I think you can make the argument that there's upside for more. He was a rookie last year. He flashed at times. I think Gallup is undervalued right now in drafts. And if something were to happen to Amari Cooper, you know, where where he was forced to miss some time, I think Gallup would jump into that wide receiver two, wide receiver three territory because Dak Prescott has shown the ability to sustain wide receiver production. 
Yeah, and even without high touchdown percentages, Dak Prescott's touchdown rate has been really low throughout his career. I actually think when it regresses to the mean, the mean is going to be up closer to that 5% range, which we see every solid quarterback in these days. And Dak hasn't really been there. Now, you mentioned Amari Cooper and how good he was in Dallas. 732 air yards in those last eight games. Michael Gallup had 628 right behind him, which is more than Corey Davis, Allen Robinson, Julian Edelman, Adam Thielen, um, Stefan Diggs, Alshon Jeffrey, all these guys being drafted way above Michael Gallup. Yeah, he's getting all these opportunities. I think it continues. I'm not saying he should be in the wide receiver three conversation, but I think he's someone to have at the end I of the bench. I agree. I think that he's a good bench stash. And I think he he's someone that you might be able to plug in if you you know one of your wide receivers has a tough matchup. But there is no way in the world that Randall Cobb should be going in front of him. Randall Cobb right now is going as the wide receiver 66. So he's going six wide receiver spots and 12 spots overall higher than Gallup. That needs to be reversed. Like, like flip that. Randall Cobb didn't get it done with Aaron Rodgers. What makes you think he's going to get it done as the number three option in Dallas? It blows my mind. Uh, but yeah, Gallup is, is one of the most underrated players that we're going to talk about today in terms of where his current ADP is and what his upside is. I have Gallup as my wide receiver 49, uh, and again, his ADP is wide receiver 72. Yeah, that's uh, it's a pretty big difference. Now, what about the rest of these wide receivers in the offense? I mentioned Tavon Austin, Randall Cobb, as we were just talking about, and the other one, Alan Hearns. Do you think any of these guys are worth owning, even in deeper leagues, best ball leagues? I wouldn't yeah, draft I don't, any I wouldn't of them. own Tavon Austin at all. Uh, as for Randall Cobb, I'm not a big fan. He's going to fill that Cole Beasley role, but he the, the difference is, is that he has zero experience with Dak Prescott. He has zero experience with the offense. He is the number three option there. They're a run-first team. There's a lot of things to dislike about Randall Cobb, on top of the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, he's an aging wide receiver. There's just a lot of red flags with someone like him. So he's not someone I would draft, but you know, someone who's not being drafted that, you know, by Bobby, you've talked about is Tony Pollard. Uh, they drafted him in the fourth round of the draft, and then they they snapped Mike Weber in the seventh round. So, you know, people are going to argue about... W- Weber was the bigger prospect going into the draft, and so a lot of people are thinking he's the direct backup and don't realize they even yeah, drafted Yeah, and that's Pollard. the thing. So Pollard is a different type of running back. Like, he has the size, but he was considered someone that can play multiple positions. Like, he could play he could play on special teams as a return man. He can play out as wide receiver. He could play running back. So some people envision him as like, okay, is he the guy that T- Tavon Austin was supposed to be for this offense? It is a new offense. You know, Scott Linehan got fired. So there, there's a lot of things with this offense that it's kind of up in the air and they're going to be more creative. I would assume with Pollard there. Uh, but the backup running back position, some people have asked me, why don't I have one of those guys higher? Because they are extremely, it's, it's valuable to have the handcuff to Ezekiel Elliott behind that offensive line. But I, I just don't know if you can like, clearly say which one is which so this is a team that we're going to want to watch in the preseason how they use these guys which guy is the clear handcuff to Ezekiel Elliott and if there even is one it might be a timeshare situation if he were to go down so um as for them my favorite values on on the Dallas Cowboys right now definitely Gallup and Dak Prescott you know we've talked about Dak on the show so we don't want to talk too much about him but he's a guy that I feel if you wait till the last round to draft your quarterback you can get Dak because his current ADP is uh, quarterback 20 you can wait to get him at the very end of your draft, you know, the 13th, 14th round, whatever you want. And I feel like he's going to get the job done for you more often than not. Bobby, I have a fun stat for you. This is like something that's like a preview from an article I'm going to have like down the road. It's not, it's not going to come out for another month or so, but did you know Dak Prescott throughout his career, did you know his numbers are nearly identical to the career numbers of Drew Brees in fantasy football? So Drew Brees throughout his career has been a top five performer, 23.9% of the time, Dak 22.9. Drew Brees, top 12 performer, 48.9%, Dak Prescott 479 
It is all right there. Their bust percentage, Drew Brees, 31.8. Dak Prescott, 31.3. So if you're talking about the career of Drew Brees, people would be like, oh, that guy, you draft him as like a top five quarterback. You know, you might not get crazy like top two numbers, but you're always going to be there in that top five conversation. Dak Prescott is that quarterback. And, you know, the weapons have never been better for him with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott catching more passes out of the backfield, Tony Pollard. So I think Dak Prescott is he's another guy that's extremely undervalued right now. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, he's got six rushing touchdowns in all three of his seasons, finished top 12 with the position each year of his career. Now he gets a full year of Amari Cooper. Uh, my pick to click, though, is uh, is Tony Pollard. You just mentioned him, and you go back and you watch the tape, and he's somebody that I entire, entirely overlooked because every single ranking before the season had him a lot lower, so I didn't really pay attention to him. But I go back and I watch the tape after the Cowboys drafted him. He's going to fit perfectly behind this offensive line. If anything was to happen to Zeke, and there's probably a 20-25% chance, because historically that's the rate for these bell cow backs, then we're looking at Tony Pollard maybe being a, a fringe RB1, RB2. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we saw it, like even going to Rod Smith. I mean, he was a guy that you could rely on for RB2 production at worst, you know, playing as the backup to Ezekiel Elliott. So it's definitely a valuable role, uh, one that I would... I, I put stock in, but I just can't say for sure right now who that is. You know, we, but Bobby, I think you maybe it's even it. Darius Jackson. I'm I'm not sure. It could be any of these three guys, but well, I you think bring up Pollard's an important the point, favorite. though. Like, think about it. Remember, like, when the Packers drafted both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones? And there were a lot of people in the draft community that liked Aaron Jones so much better. And they said that, you know, he's going to start because he's the better player. Well, no, the Packers kind of told you who they liked more. And it was Jamal Williams. And he got the start. Like, he was the one who actually got the first shot at the running back gig. Um, so I think that's kind of the case that we have to look at. There's a, a big gap between Tony Pollard and Mike Weber in terms of draft positions. So they clearly felt that they wanted to reach for Pollard a little bit. So it kind of tells you what you need to know. So I think he has a leg up for sure. Um, what do you think about tight end? Is there anything in Jason Witten, maybe Blake Jarwin, Rico Gathers, Dalton Schultz, any of these guys have any chance at fantasy impact? I want nothing to do with Jason Witten. Um, you know, he's tight end 20, so that, that's probably around where he should go. I, guys, he's, 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 he's up there in age. And um, like, think about Antonio Gates. Like, is he going to deliver a fantasy performance here and there? You know, you could stream him if you want. He's going to wind up on your waiver wire because nobody's going to own him all season. That's just not going to happen. So if he's someone that you're looking forward to those tight end matchups and streaming like that, we'll talk about him in season, but definitely not someone I would roster. I would rather take an upside play like a Jordan Reed, uh, who I at least know gives me top five potential when he's in the lineup. By the way, Tags, I've got Michael Gallup number 49, just like you. And he's right in between our guys, Devontae Parker for you and David Moore. I've got David Moore at 50, Devontae Parker at 48. Um, so I do like Michael Gallup quite a bit. Yeah, and that's the thing. Once you break it down, you start looking at it. It's like, okay, he's a middling, you know, number two receiver in an offense. Like, I don't, I'm not saying he's like a top end number two wide receiver in an offense, but it's an offense that should take a step forward to. And again, knowing he was a rookie last year, he's going to grow into that role. And Amari Cooper is going to, you know, he's going to pull number one cornerbacks all over the field. I agree. And uh, one other thing I want to say about the Cowboys, especially this is for their defense and Dak Prescott is the first three weeks. Both of those make incredible streamers. You've got Dak Prescott going up against the giants, the Redskins, the dolphins, and same thing with their DST. If you're playing a streaming DST, Go get the Cowboys. They're not top 12 in my rankings, but I would draft them in the top eight because then you don't have to worry about picking up a streamer in any of the first three weeks. It's actually a really good point. I just looked at that. The Cowboys are being drafted as the 15th defense off the board. Um, that's actually a good take, Bobby. I like it. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey is, we haven't really talked about him a ton. 
Uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career, but he's the clear-cut number one. They've got Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Uh, besides that, it's pretty ugly, though, Tags. And we know Carson Wentz, when he's healthy, if he is healthy, is going to get his. So uh, just how good is Alshon going to be? That's where I'm kind of torn on this because, like, I feel like people are just kind of bored of Alshon. I feel like he, he's just a, a – he's, he's not a sexy pick in, in fantasy drafts. And I've been getting a lot of him in best ball. I landed him in the seventh and the eighth round um, quite regularly. Uh, there's sometimes where I'll even nab him at the end of the sixth if I feel like I need a wide receiver who delivers top 18 fantasy – upside and he does that you know he he's played with the eagles twice now uh for you know, two seasons i should say twice uh but he finished as a top 30 wide receiver in both seasons despite missing games at the beginning of last season despite going through the quarterback changes with carson wentz nick Foles, it just seems like wentz has never been really healthy you know like for a long period of time with alshon jeffrey so we don't really know that ceiling people are drafting carson wentz as the qb 10 but alshon jeffrey is down as the wide receiver 27 like something doesn't make sense here Alshon Jeffrey, that's basically saying that he's one of the worst number one wide receivers in football, which is definitely not the case. I can make the case for Alshon Jeffrey to be drafted as a top 24 guy. Um, but again, he's an unsexy pick. Like he's not a guy that you expect. He's not going to be at the end of the year. He's not going to finish top five. He doesn't have that type of upside, but he's he's safer than guys like DJ Moore. I know a lot of people want to draft DJ Agreed. Moore ahead of him, but I would take Alshon Jeffrey before Moore, before Calvin Ridley. Um, so those are the guys that are going ahead of him right now. That's crazy, man. Yeah, I've got Elshon Jeffrey number 24 ahead of Julian Edelman, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm a pretty big fan of Alshon. I don't have any shares of him yet. I don't know why that's the case, but, um, yeah, I'm a believer. W what about these other wide receivers? Who's the number two? Is it Deshaun Jackson? So this is going to be interesting because Deshaun Jackson is a better uh, real-life football player than he is a fantasy football player right now. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 48, uh, which, which it, it's— w When would you ever play him? That's what I want to ask anyone who's drafting him. When are you going to trust Deshaun Jackson— to not put up a two pointer. Well, I mean, once you get outside the top, you know, uh, you know, twenty five or so wide receivers, I think that, that that's a possibility with a lot of those guys. And if you and if it if it's not a possibility, that means you have a guy that's a high floor, very low upside, like a Jarvis Landry. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, Deshaun Jackson is not an every week starter. He's not someone you're going to draft to start on your fantasy team, but he's someone that you could plug in during a bye week when you anticipate the Eagles being in somewhat of a shootout. Because I feel like. Deshaun Jackson can still stretch a field. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey's still going to get a whole lot of attention. You know, he's going to get the number one corner, whereas, you know, they're going to shade a safety towards Deshaun Jackson. And if they don't, they're going to pay the price because he could still beat corners over the top. The question is, Nelson Aguilar, I think Nelson Aguilar is being more undervalued. For, that's why I would pass on Deshaun Jackson, just because Aguilar is moving back to his natural slot position. Uh, Nelson Aguilar... I was looking, I, I came up with an article, if you guys didn't see it on the, on the website, you know, it's, it's how much do slot targets mean for fantasy football and Nelson Aguilar, there's been, I think it was 46 wide receivers who have seen at least uh, 40 targets over the last two seasons. Aguilar ranks number six in terms of fantasy points per target in the slot, but then he's like 42nd in fantasy points per target on the perimeter. So the signing of Deshaun Jackson locked him into the slot. Like there is no if, ands, or buts. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey are the starting perimeter wide receivers, and they have Nelson Aguilar back in the slot. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside projects as a perimeter wide receiver. I think he's more of like a red zone guy they're going to use. But Aguilar being drafted as the wide receiver 71 compared to Deshaun Jackson as the wide receiver 48, I feel like Aguilar is the better value. But the issue, Bobby, as you mentioned – when do you really feel confident starting any of these guys? And I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if there's a right answer there. Unless Alshon gets hurt. Right. If Alshon gets hurt, then then the question is, is like, is it Arcega Whiteside or do they do they bump 
Aguilar out to the perimeter. There's a lot of questions, but I wouldn't be surprised even if it's Braxton Miller. He seems like the kind of guy who's going to go into an offense like Doug Peterson's and get his chance and do well. I I really wanted to believe uh, the wide receiver. I'm going to pull him up. I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Mac Hollins. That's that's the wide receiver before I even got there. Mac Hollins is a wide receiver. They drafted a couple years back uh, inside the top three rounds. And I really like Mac Hollins. And he he like really played well with Carson Wentz. And then he got hurt. And then it was like last year he was just forgotten about. He was hurt again. If he's healthy, he's someone that can make his way into the starting lineup, but it's it's not a very deep wide receiver depth chart, so I, I think it's top-heavy. I think Alshon Jeffrey is the only one that I that I really would like to roster. Aguilar, if you play in a PPR league, it's like, okay, I think he could be put on the end of your bench as kind of like a, a you know last-minute replacement, but uh, Alshon Jeffrey is a bit undervalued right now. Aguilar is a bi-week streamer, and that's it. Deshaun Jackson, I'd never feel good about drafting him. In best ball leagues, he's great. And a lot of this that I'm talking about for these deeper guys are best ball leagues exclusively or these dynasty leagues where you just need a guy to help you through one year and maybe you'll catch lightning in a bottle. Um, But yeah, most of these guys are not redraft, standard 12-team league, fantasy relevant. Now at the tight end position, we do have Zach Ertz, who's going to go probably late second round. Would you take him in the top 24 pick tags? Zach Ertz, no. Um, I, I, Kelsey is is like a, like he's the guy that I'll I'll take it as a top fifteen pick. Uh, Kittle, I th- I would I would probably take Kittle over Zach Ertz to be honest with you. I think Ertz's numbers were a bit inflated uh, with Alshon Jeffrey out of the lineup, and now they have Deshaun Jackson. Now Aguilar is going back to his regular route. Now they have a pass catching running back in Miles Sanders. So th- there's a lot of reasons I think that there's going to be some regression for for Ertz in the target category, and I think that's really going to hurt him because he hasn't necessarily been the most efficient on a per target basis uh tight end so like i'm i don't know i don't think i'm drafting him at 22 like if you get around like the 26 27 area i think that's where i feel com like i feel safe with zach Ertz. you know i i don't need to reach for zach Ertz because if i don't get him i can get oj howard or hunter henry and still feel good about my tight end um you know or i could just wait and play the streaming game it's not you don't have to be desperate and go get your guy if, if you're getting zach Ertz in the second round that means that you're not getting joe mixon or you're not getting one of those wide receivers. AJ Green Cooper. could be like, AJ I would Green, take AJ yeah. Green before Zach Ertz. Yeah, no doubt about it for me. So I agree with that. Um, now, what about Dallas Goddard? Obviously, we're not, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say obviously, because I, I, I am drafting Dallas Goddard when I would be drafting, you know, a backup running back as kind of a flyer. Just because if Zach Ertz gets hurt tags, I think that Dallas Goddard's immediately not only a, a, a startable tight end, I think he's a top three fantasy tight end. I think he would walk into, he'd definitely be like in my top five every week. That's for sure. Um, top three is definitely possible as well. Uh, I like Goddard, but I'm not going to draft, I'm not going to draft him. I, I think if you are going to draft him, I think you should do Bobby's strategy. Actually, you know, he talks about it all the time. He says, don't draft a kicker. Uh, instead of taking a kicker, take someone like Dallas Goddard and put him on your bench uh, throughout the preseason. And if something were to happen to Zach Ertz, which it did earlier in his career, he was known as somewhat fragile. Um, then obviously you have you know lightning in a bottle on your bench with Dallas Goddard and you could be he could be started as a tight end one every single week and then so you drop somebody else for the kicker otherwise you just drop Goddard for the kicker you can do that depending on how deep your league is and, and what you need because bye weeks obviously aren't going to kick in but if you do hold on to Goddard don't be afraid to drop him you know because yeah. every year you know the waiver wire is the most important in weeks one and two because we're going to get so much of a you know a glimpse of what the season is going to bring in terms of snap share target shares and all those things yeah that, that's where you get Tyler Boyd or Alvin Kamara exactly. or Hunt. like Philip yeah. Lindsay you know he was he was there yes. so it's like those are the guys that we need to look out for in those first few weeks and don't be afraid to cut someone like Goddard but if, like I said if you want to stick him on your bench through the preseason I'm okay with that tags um a lot of people are mad at me that I'm saying Carson Wentz is not 
100%, even though Carson Wentz says he's not 100%. Um, it, was a, it was a stress fracture in his back. That's not something to take lightly. I'm wondering if this is the kind of thing, like last year, where they just take it easy on Carson Wentz. They're saying everything's good, but maybe he's going to miss a little bit of time at the start of the season. If that's the case, who's going to be the starter? Is it Nate Sudfeld? Is it Cody Kessler? I guess it would be Sudfeld at this point. Uh, it, it's really tough. I to mean, say. with with these weapons, would he be a top 24 fantasy quarterback in those weeks? I mean, Nick Foles, I'm talking for Nick super Foles gave you some performances, so it's hard to say no, but I wouldn't want to rely on him. Yeah, I, I guess I want it either. I'm just wondering if we start to hear news that Carson Wentz is going to miss a little bit of time, if you would even mess with these guys in Superflex leagues. No, and I'm not even taking Carson Wentz where he's going. He's going at the Q, as a QB 10 right now. And um, if, if yeah. you're going to where, where do you have him? Well, this thing, if, if someone's going to base their opinion on him off of his, uh, you know, his 2017 season, I think that's unrealistic. His touchdown rate was inflated. That was always going to come down. Um, me personally. I mean, we saw 11 games last year and he was fine. Yeah. It, but he's not a top 10 quarterback. Exactly. He's not like he. Fantasy quarterback. Top 10 real life yeah maybe he's with Doug Peterson so it's hard to tell it's almost like what's the difference between someone like him and Kirk Cousins you're just not paying as much for the production uh you're not paying you're you're not paying QB 10 price for Kirk Cousins where it's like these guys are they're going to be solid more often than not but they're still they're streamers is what they are to me I don't think Carson Wentz is an every week guy that you could just plug in your lineup and be okay with it especially when you draft him as the QB 10 because that means you're passing on a wide receiver in you know in the range of let's see he's going at 93 overall that means he's going before Golden Tate right now so you know I'm not going to take Carson Wentz and, you know, a wide receiver down the board like Nelson Aguilar over Golden Tate and someone like Dak Prescott. So there's 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 better quarterbacks being taken after Carson Wentz. I've got Wentz QB 18. I know that's going to make a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans really mad at me. But really the difference between QB 11 and QB 22, where I've got Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way. Uh, it's, it's not that big of a difference. So if I'm saying Wentz at 18, that doesn't mean I absolutely hate him and everything. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about his health and I don't think that he's an MVP candidate. Like seemingly everybody does. Yeah. If someone told me they wanted to take Kyler Murray over him, I, I really, I, I wouldn't fault them for it. And I have Kyler Murray one spot behind Wentz. Uh, because I, it's just like the health concerns about a mobile quarterback. But if if I knew that Kyler Murray was going to be healthy for the full season, like and play all 16 games, I would draft him over Carson Wentz. Wentz has zero rushing upside anymore. He's not running the ball anymore. Yep, you're right. All right, let's go running back here. Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders. Is Sanders going to start right away? And if not, how much fantasy value does Jordan Howard actually have? We talked about the fact that this was always going to be a timeshare. You know, even when they drafted Sanders before this whole thing about him missing minicamp, uh, he's missing time with a hamstring injury. And, uh, you know, that's setting him back in the offense for sure. Like rookies need to come in. They need to practice like that needs to happen. But it reminds me of like Sony Michelle last year. He's a guy that missed a lot of time in practice and people were like, is he ever going to get in the lineup? And he did. And he played really well. Uh, running backs can walk in and kind of just play. Jordan Howard, I would. Right now, the, the ADPs are right back-to-back. Back. It's uh, Jordan Howard going as the RB32, Miles Sanders is the RB33. I'd take Sanders all day. All day. I think I think it's more likely that Jordan Howard is on the waiver wire by week eight than he is a top 15 fantasy running back. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. I, I don't know, man. I've got Sanders down at 37. Um, I'd rather take a flyer on somebody like Carlos Hyde or Rashad Penny because even when Miles Sanders is the starter, if he is indeed the starter, 
he's not going to be an RB2 any week. He's, he's going to have weeks where he scores a touchdown, so he ends up an RB2. I'm saying I'm not going to rank him as a top 24 running back because he's just not going to play enough. It's just going to be too much of a timeshare. I agree. I, I, I'm with you on that one. I would take Rashad Penny over him. Yes. Um, I actually have Miles Sanders at RB33 right now, and if we find out Darius Geis is healthy, he'll be down at RB34. He's like in the territory with guys like Tevin Coleman. Like in Royce Freeman, guys that we have no idea what their workload is going to be. Uh, we obviously hope. I think Miles Sanders has more upside than some of those guys just because he plays in a better offense. And uh, Jordan Howard, as much as people like Jordan Howard, he's just not he's not much in, in the form of competition because we've seen Jordan Howard in this offense under Matt Nagy. OK, yes, he scored touchdowns. But if you guys watch the Bears games, I'm telling you, Jordan Howard doesn't play well in the system. And it was a weird trade, but they got him for a six round pick. So I can't really fault them to get a guy who's going to handle some carries. I think he's going to steal some goal line work for sure because he is good on the goal line. But Miles Sanders is the running back that I would own in Philadelphia. I agree with that. OK, let's move on to Washington. And uh, their quarterback situation, I know a lot of people are saying Dwayne Haskins is going to start right away. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. And if it's not the case, would you start Case Keenum or Colt McCoy, whoever it's going to be in a super flex league, or just leave them on the waivers? Yeah, these guys are QB3s at best, um, where I don't want to to grab them if I can help it. Like, you know, when you're playing in a, in a super flex or a two-quarterback league, you want guys who are solidified as the starter. You don't have to worry about, you know, them being benched. You don't have to worry about someone, you know, like injury should be the only thing taking them off the field. So um, there are plenty of quarterbacks that you could take that have that, um, like built in. Joe Flacco has more job security than than someone like Case Keenum. So I, I wouldn't draft them if I could help it. And it's not uh, like he's got the the Falcons wide receiver core or the Vikings. He's got Washington's wide receiver core. I mean, who's their number one? Is it Paul Richardson? It, it's it's Paul Richardson. It, I mean, it might be Jordan Reed. I, I, it depends on how you want to shake it out. But it's 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 not great. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's really ugly, man. So I agree with that. I think QB three at most. Dwayne Haskins is a different story. Um, but would I rather have him than someone like even Eli Manning? No. I mean, we know Eli Manning's going to play. All, I guess we, maybe we don't know that now that they're saying Daniel Jones might start. But, uh, you know, Eli Manning also has Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. Washington has nobody. So I think Dwayne Haskins is a better passer right now than Eli Manning. But in terms of fantasy production, I mean, if you're going QB2, I'd rather have Eli Manning than Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you on this one. I, I don't. I don't really. I mean, want... let's just all agree. Let's draft neither of them. I'd rather have Daniel Jones than Dwayne Haskins, uh, and, and that's not. And that's from a fantasy perspective. That's not from a real life perspective. But Daniel Jones is he can run with the ball, and that, that's why he's valuable. Like he'll put up better fantasy numbers than Dwayne Haskins. Haskins should sit for a full year. It sh it should happen. Well, we'll see if, if Gruden is smart enough to do that because John Fox wasn't with Mitch Trubisky. Um, so like that's the type of quarterback you're dealing with where a guy it's like that shouldn't start he doesn't have near enough experience he needs some work with the practice team this is just an ugly team to look at like you know we always talk about finding value on teams that are often overlooked but the problem is is that there really isn't a clear-cut number one receiver you know you could say it's Paul Richardson because well he had seen at least five targets in six of the seven games he played last year but then they drafted two wide receivers a lot of people like Kelvin Harmon an awful lot and even though he fell to the sixth round Kelvin Harmon's like their number six wide receiver dude <laughs> that, yeah, well that's the thing Josh Doxson now is uh, reportedly they're saying that he's gonna have to fight for playing time some people expect Trey Quinn to walk in and see a lot of targets uh yeah that's who I was gonna ask I think Trey Quinn might lead this team in targets it's very possible it, it is very possible because he's definitely going to play that slot role. It's just the question of like, is that, is that even worth anything? You know what I mean? Like was Jamison Crowder worth anything last year? Nobody wanted to roster him. No, even though I did roster him in case Keenum is not. To. I mean, I only roster him because I didn't know he was going to be hurt the entire season. Mm -hmm. 
so here's the biggest question about me is like where do we find value in this backfield because they're going to run the ball they have a they have a solid defense like they're getting better especially the front seven it's, it's adrian peterson man is it peterson like so you, would you rather like if you're drafting right now would you rather take adrian peterson as the 41st running back or darius guys the 27th i've got darius guys number 36 on my big board Got Adrian Peterson, number 38 on my big board. Wow. Ahead of Daryl Henderson, by Are the way. you anticipating guys not being ready to start a season? I'm anticipating them taking it really slow with him. And with what Adrian Peterson says, he says he's going to run for 2,000 yards. That makes me think he's the starter at, at, at the very least. Yeah, some people seem to think that he is just because, like, Adrian Peterson— uh, He was good last year, too. A- Adrian Peterson isn't not going to stick around the NFL if he's not starting. And that's— it's, it's a real thing where it's like Adrian Peterson on the bench. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, it kind of reminds me of last year, right? Like we talked about Kenyon Drake being the most talented running back in that backfield, but then they signed Frank Gore and it's like, are they really going to give Gore? But would Gore sign with Miami if he wasn't going to get carries? And he did. He was the lead running back. So I would say Adrian Peterson's probably the better bet right now. Um, yeah, I, Darius Geis is just too risky for me. I have him down at RB34. He could fall further than that, just depending on what we hear about his rehab. But them drafting Bryce Love in the top of the fourth round, them re-signing Adrian Peterson to a two-year deal, they still have Chris Thompson on the roster. This is a, a this is a mess for fantasy football. Tags, I'm going to give you five names. You tell me which one had the most rushing yards last year. Alvin Kamara, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, James Conner, or Adrian Peterson? I would have guessed Melvin Gordon, but I know the way that you put that together, it's going to be Peterson, isn't it? I said them in the reverse order of where they ended up. Adrian Peterson was number eight in all of football at 1,042 yards. Yeah, I knew he topped 1,000 yards, but I I figured Melvin Gordon. But I guess the time he missed probably, yeah, that definitely hurt. By the way, Chris Carson, he missed two games. He finished number five in football. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, he was good, man. I'm telling you. Adrian Peterson and Chris Carson are both going to be on a lot of my rosters. And uh, it's kind of risky. But where they're being drafted, what's the loss? Good point. Adrian Peterson probably needs to move up my board. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd rather have him than Miles Sanders. It's really close for me right now. Oh, man. I just don't see any upside with Miles Sanders. I see a 1,000-yard upside again with Adrian Peterson. I guess it's possible. It is possible. Yuck, dude. Pretty much. <laughs> this this whole roster is just yuck from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, Jordan Reed, yuck, but I guess I'd draft him in a best ball league. Well, Jordan Jordan Reed, the reason I'm okay with Jordan he he's tight end 23, so you can get him with your last draft pick. I Wow. Jordan Reed, so this is crazy. This is a crazy – so he's missed 31 games in his six-year career. Okay, that's not good. <laughs> there's there's no there's no way to me to sugarcoat that. That's terrible, okay? But but his career numbers in terms of, like, when he's on the field, he gives you top 12 numbers 39% of the time. Oh, I'm sorry. That was actually oh, – I'm sorry. That was in 2018. 49% of the time he delivers top 12 numbers. That number is better than the career mark of Zach Ertz. OJ Howard, Greg Olson, Hunter Henry. So when he's on the field, he has produced like he's not he's not sexy. Again, he's not someone that I I feel like the offense isn't tight ends. The only position that actually the offense scoring doesn't matter so much to them. It really doesn't because I'm doing the study on this. That'll be out in like a week or two. Um, But Jordan Reed, if you're streaming, why not take a guy that that has a history of production? Now, if he's hurt, drop him. Who cares? Because you didn't spend anything to get him. But, you know, so many people, like I have a friend that reached out. He's like, you guys talked about Jordan Reed, but the injury, it's just too much. I get it, but that's baked into his price. If you were guaranteed, Bobby, that Jordan Reed was going to play all 16 games, where would he be ranked among your tight ends? Seven? Six? 
I'd probably have him at like eight in the eight to ten range. I mean, he wasn't as good last year, so um, I don't know. Maybe he's on the downturn of his career. But I agree. If you're streaming a tight end, you might as well just wait until the very last round and, and grab him. Right. Just and if he's healthy again, like if he's healthy, you play him. If he's not, then you you drop him and you pick up someone else because you can stream tight ends as we talked about. And there's going to be someone that breaks out. But if Jordan Reed stays healthy, he's going to finish as a top twelve tight end. Uh, that's going to happen. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. And that, I, I know that's a problem. I do. But you're not paying anything to get him. All right, last team, and this team has a lot more fantasy-relevant players. Saquon Barkley is going 1-1. There, there's no one else you would consider at this pick, right? I would. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is in the conversation okay. for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually wouldn't fault anybody to take Zeke over Saquon Barkley um, just because the offense is is better in Dallas. We know that We know the offense is built around these players, both of them. But without Odell Beckham, how much is Barkley going to suffer? Like... You know, they they added Golden Tate, like some of those dump off targets that went to Saquon Barkley last year might go to Golden Tate. Uh, I'm not saying that Barkley's going to lose targets, but I don't know if I see him gaining any. Like he was dumped off to an awful lot last year and his efficiency. You know, Pat Shermer is a head coach. He he was a great offensive coordinator. He's one of those guys that I was waiting to see how he did in New York. Like it's his second go around as a head coach. And I was like, I don't want to bury him. But he seems like he's one of those guys that's just simply better as a coordinator and moving to a head coach. It might just prove to be too much. Um, Saquon is ridiculous, and I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong for drafting him number one overall. I don't know who I would take, honestly, um, between him and, and Zeke. Like, they're they're both one and two, and like those are the clear-cut one and two picks for me. So he's right there. Saquon Barkley had 91 receptions last year, Tags. Mm-hmm. That's it, that's what I'm saying. Like expecting that to go up because Beckham's gone, I think that's unrealistic. I, I really do. Like, he had 721 yards through the air. Like <laughs> you're getting into wide receiver territory already. It's like the question to me is like he's going to get those dump offs. He's going to get re- re- receiving yards. He's going to break those long plays. But the question to me is he going to have a chance to score 11 rushing touchdowns again next year? Is he going to ch- have a chance to to rush for 1300 yards like he did last year? Those are things that I worry about. Whereas Ezekiel Elliott. He's done it year in, year out. He even did it last year without Travis Frederick. Frederick, they're, they're starting centers coming back this year. I just think you, you want a guy who you, you, you can't miss on. Zeke has proven he you cannot miss when drafting Ezekiel. Like you, if he's hurt, that's the only thing that'll happen. That's it. You know, that's a really good argument. I'm, look, I'm looking at Ezekiel Elliott's game log as well. And how many times did this guy get? 30 touches in a game? 30 touches, Tex. He's ridiculous. And like, you know, when going over the careers and talking about those boom bust and all those 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 numbers. So Saquon Barkley, what he did last year was special. Everybody knows that. He was a Saquon was an RB2 or better 93.8% of the time. That's over 16 games. It's a small sample size. Ezekiel Elliott has played 40 games in his career, 92.5%. So he's right there with Saquon Barkley, and you have years of production to prove it. Whereas Saquon we're losing Odell, you know, Eli is another year into his decline. You know, are they going with a rookie quarterback? There's a lot of question marks around Saquon. And again, he overcame so much last year. I am not putting him down. I'm not saying you shouldn't draft him. It's tough for a running back to overcome a bad offense. It really is. But if there's one running back that can do it, it's Saquon. But Zeke has a history. And now they have even better pass catchers to take attention away. And that you can't just forget about, you know, Amari and Gallup. You just can't. Tags, I've got a trivia question for you, okay? Of the top 11 running backs in rushing yards in the NFL, how many of them were 24 years old or younger? Oh, this was uh, something I came up I, I started doing the age study at what age running backs decline. Like, the top six were all 24 years or younger, I think. Um, yeah. But 
You said top 12? Top 7. Uh, of the top 11. The top 11, 10 of them probably were under 10 24. of them. The only one that wasn't was Adrian Peterson, 33 years old. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Running back is just like you walk in and you can produce if you're given the opportunity. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that's – I don't really know what to make of that, but it's really interesting to me. Okay, New York Giants. Let's go uh, quarterbacks. You, you already talked about Daniel Jones. We already know about Eli Manning enough. At tight end, would you take Evan Ingram as your number five wide receiver? Uh, tight end, I have Evan Ingram as my number five tight end. I'm sorry, I said wide receiver. It was kind of a Freudian slip, though, because he's kind of a wide receiver. Kind of. Um, but the question is, is like, what happens now with Shepard and Tate? And some people are like, oh, they're going to run them both in the slot. And I'm like, well, Ingram's going to be an inline tight end all the time. Like, I, I just worry about some creativity issues. But Ingram, with when Odell Beckham has been out of the lineup, Ingram has been a star. So... To me, that's where I'm going. Their defense is terrible. They're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, Ingram's going to get his targets. And it, it, with tight ends, you follow the targets. You know, some people, like I'm sure you, would take Hunter Henry over Evan Ingram. Yes. I feel like Ingram doesn't have the upside that Henry does. Well, maybe. But I feel like his targets are safer. I don't have to worry about his targets because I know he's probably the best target on his team. Like Sterling Shepard on the perimeter, don't really like him there. Golden Tate's aging. Uh, Engram is is really good with his, the, the ball in his hands. Uh, so whereas Hunter Henry, it's like you're going to rely on touchdowns a little bit more. There's a lot of talent around him with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Melvin Gordon. So I'm going to go Engram here just because with tight end, I want targets. And I can guarantee targets for Evan Ingram. I, I don't see any way that he doesn't get 100 targets this year. I disagree with that. And so, you know, I, I understand the argument that you're making. When Beckham wasn't there, Ingram led the team in targets. Um, who was their number two wide receiver that season? Do you remember? Uh, Brandon Marshall. It was Roger Lewis. Well, Brandon Marshall, Marshall was hurt, hurt too. too yeah. Brandon Marshall played five games. Roger Lewis started eight games, man. He was their number two wide receiver that year. Now they've got Golden Tate. Now they've got Saquon Barkley. Ingram might be the number four option in Eli Manning's offense. I think Hunter Henry's safer. I mean, that, that's something that we can disagree on. And that's something that I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm like crazy off. I, I think there's a clear tier. It's like the top three. And then OJ Howard, we both have him at four, but I'm not going to, that's the thing. I, I can't even say that there's no risk with OJ Howard. There's a lot of talent on that team too. It's like, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, those guys are really freaking good football players. So it's like, you know, but OJ Howard, his efficiency has been off the charts. Whereas Ingram hasn't quite had that efficiency. All right, man. Wide receivers here, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. Who are you taking between the two? You can only choose one. I'll take Shepard. I know the upside's higher. I, I think Golden Tate might have the higher floor. Um, and, it, you know, looking at ADP right now, Sterling Shepard is the wide receiver 35, Golden Tate as the wide receiver 38. So they're they're very similar. Uh, people are having trouble, obviously, deciding between the two. Shepard is the younger player. It's possible, you know, this whole slot thing, me, me concerned about Sterling Shepard on the, on the outside, it's possible that the Giants are like, no, we're going to mix and match them. We're not going to use Golden Tate exclusively in the slot. We might have him line up out wide because that's something he did earlier in his career while in Seattle. It doesn't make sense to, to move Golden Tate outside at this point in his career, but uh, I'll, I'll take Shepard just because I know the upside's higher, but I'm not excited about drafting either of these guys. I've got Shepard 36, Golden Tate 26. You all know how I feel about Golden Tate this year and pretty much every year because he always gets it done, except last year when he didn't know the playbook. But before then, he was on fire again. Um, anyone else in this offense? Corey Coleman. Uh, is he their number three? 
Corey Coleman is like an interesting sleeper. Like, but if they, if it was a better football team, but it's not, and that's yeah. that's that's yeah. the issue, right? Because <laughs> if if Shepard were to get hurt, which you know he's been dealing with some injuries throughout his career, uh, Corey Coleman is someone that the Giants made it a point to hold on to this offseason. And Coleman, don't, let's not forget, like this guy was like a high draft pick. Like there was so much expectation out of him. The Giants didn't draft a receiver in the top like six five rounds. I think they I think they took their first receiver in the sixth round of uh, the NFL draft. So they clearly felt okay with Corey Coleman as a starting wide receiver because he is going to start in three wide receiver sets so you know if we're looking for targets like that's that's someone that you can look to is like an undrafted guy now don't draft him but he's someone like if you're in a dynasty league you could throw him on your bench if like if you have 30 man rosters throw him at the end of your bench and just see if there's anything there because Daniel Jones might latch on to him maybe it's just like a connection between those two because Corey Coleman can stretch the field um, if Daniel Jones is willing to throw it down to him uh, but you know, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, not really those receivers that stretch the field. So it's possible, but it's, it's more like if he, if he, if he shows glimpses during the season, it's more like a guy that you grab off waivers to fill a bye week but even then you're not excited about it. All right, man, let's talk about some draft strategies. And, um, you know, we've got zero running back, late round quarterback, everything like that. I want to ask you though, if you're in a super flex league, how does your draft strategy change? Like how soon are you taking your first quarterback? How many should you actually target? Most of the time in super flex leagues, I will, I will draft my first quarterback by um, the, th- the third round is like the last time that you're going to have a chance to do it, like to take your first quarterback. But the reason that I prefer to be in the middle of a super flex draft, like, you know, if someone gave me the choice of where I, I wanted to be in a super flex league, like in terms of drafting, I'd say, you know, in that in between the five and seven range, just because I'm in the middle and I can see trends as they happen because, you know, I'm in a draft right now where it's like a 16 man league and it's a two quarterback league and I had the 11th pick and it's like, okay, now it's, I didn't take a quarterback with my first pick, but now when it comes back to me, I'm going to be forced to, because there's going to be such a gap in between the picks. I have no idea who's going to go there. If, you know, if there's a run of quarterbacks, I don't want to be stuck with someone like, you know, Philip Rivers is my QB one. It's not like it's terrible, but it's not great either, you know? And then, and then as QB two, forget about it. You're looking at, you know, Marcus Mariota. And again, when you're playing in those leagues, you absolutely want a quarterback in your slot. Don't sit, don't treat it as it's not a two QB super flex to me. The only thing that changes is that you don't necessarily need a third quarterback. Whereas in two quarterback, you definitely do. Uh, but in super flex, I don't, I don't treat it all that different. Like I want to, as my second quarterback, I want a guy who's guaranteed to have the starting job provided there's no injury. That's what I want for my third quarterback. I want three quarterbacks. I know are going to keep the job. And so I'm going all the way down to 26, Nick Foles. He's the worst third quarterback I'd want. Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I want to get one of those guys as my QB3. Now QB1 and 2, how high would you take Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers? Are we talking after the first four running backs? You would you would go quarterback or are you going up to 1-1? No, I'm not going to go 1-1. I think it's rare to find uh, certain guys. Um you know, Rogers and Mahomes, like those are the guys that I, I would take in the middle of the first round. Like I don't, I, I might even take Devonte Adams before one of them. It just, de- wow, it just okay. depends on how the league you, if you know how your league works, you know, change your strategy. Like so many people say you have to stick to this strategy. You have to do this. I am not a draft strategy guy just because I am, I'm more about like go with the flow, like understand what, what's happening in your draft and adjust to that. You don't want to be stuck in two quarterback leagues, starting guys like you don't want to be stuck starting Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. You don't want to do that. Like don't <laughs> don't fall into that because someone told you don't draft your first quarterback until the fourth round. If your league is drafting quarterbacks, if you don't want to take a quarterback in the first round, that's fine. 
Like, I'm not going to, I won't talk you off the ledge with that because you can't find workhorse running backs. Well, it's rare to find workhorse running backs that you know are going to get 300 touches, wide receivers that you know are going to get 150 targets outside the first round, most of the time. But me, I, again, I almost always, and it, again, you have to shape it around your draft. Like, if I get to my second pick and there's been just one quarterback off the board, I'm not taking a quarterback. I will wait. Um, I will I will 100% wait because I want to see the run start. I don't want to start the run, but I don't want to be the last one either. So again, it that's why when you're on the tail end, like if you're choosing, you know, the turn of a draft, like if you're you're picking 12th in a 12-man league, that's really difficult because you're, you're forced to take a quarterback at that one-two turn. Otherwise, you have no idea who's going to be left at 3-4. I think there's going to be one quarterback that goes in the first round of a superplex league. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes, probably in the top six or seven picks. And then after that, I think there's going to be four that go in the second round. Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, maybe Russell Wilson or Baker Mayfield. Uh, and then that's when I would start looking for a quarterback. I'd get Jameis Winston maybe in the late third, Dak Prescott in the fourth, Kirk Cousins in the fifth, something along those lines. I'd love to have someone durable like Tom Brady. I don't typically draft a guy like Tom Brady, but in the Superflex League, I want someone durable who's going to play every single week and be a useful quarterback most of the time. I mean, we're not looking at... How often is he going to finish top 12? Because it's less than 50% of the time with Brady. We're looking at how often is he going to finish top 24 quarterbacks. It's almost always. Yeah. Well, that's yes. And because you have the guy that's guaranteed to start. And so the question, Bobby, though, it comes down to let's pretend that you have the the eighth pick in your draft. Okay. You're in a 12-man league. In the first round, you take Devontae Adams at number eight. You're happy about it. But then you get to your number two pick. And all of a sudden, there are six quarterbacks, seven we'll say seven quarterbacks off the board because that can happen in two quarterback formats. Do you take a quarterback there or do you say, no, I'm going to risk it, but there's still, remember, there's going to be 14 picks before it comes back to you. I am not risking it. I've played this game before. Tags, you remember the mock draft last year. I think this is when your run started. Like, I'm pretty sure I'd won four out of five mock drafts before then, but then you won like, I don't know, nine out of 12 or nine out of 11 or something like that. This is when it started. We did a super flex draft. We need to do another one of those soon, but we did a super flex draft and I tried to wait at quarterback and see if I could get cute and squeeze all the value out of the draft. And my team sucked. I'm never playing games in super flex leagues. Get your quarterbacks. Don't risk it. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like follow the trends. If there's seven quarterbacks that have come off the board by your second pick, that means that quarterbacks are extremely valued in this league. Don't over, don't undervalue them. Take one there. And then when it gets back to you, that's when you can decide, do I want to take my second quarterback here? Or now there's only a gap of eight, you know, or uh, it'd be, yeah, eight, eight players that are going to come off the board before your next pick. So understand where you're at in the draft, understand what your draft is doing, like how people are approaching it. But I would not take a quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes inside the top six picks. I'm going to take one of those like those 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 highly sought after players. And then, you know, when it comes back to me in the second round, that's when you can kind of see where the draft has gone and what you need to do. Sure. I like it, man. Okay, let's talk zero running backs. This has kind of been a popular strategy in the past. A lot of people just hate it. But first of all, what is zero running backs? Because there's a lot of disagreement. There's some people who are purists who think it means you can't take one until the seventh round and then you have to take this type of running back. I think there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Do you agree with me or do you think it's just one specific way? No, there's definitely a lot of disagreement on what zero running back actually is. Some people think that you can draft a running back in the second round and then not draft one again until the eighth round and that that's considered zero running back. But to me, that's not. To me, that's like you're getting a stud and then you're saying, I'm fine with, you know, looking for timeshare running backs after that. So 
to me, zero running back is waiting at the position and not drafting a running back until at least, I would say at least the fifth round, which is, uh, it's quite a long time to wait. Um, given what we know about, you know, the workhorse running backs, like disappearing as years go on. Yeah. You're looking at, uh, maybe carry on Johnson still there. Probably not. Tariq Cohen's probably the best. Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery, Kenyon Drake, Lamar Miller. It's ugly, but you know, this pays off because of what I'm not going to say it always pays off. I'm okay with letting this happen if the draft falls that way. Tags, I know you're kind of a have to get a top 15 quarterback. I'm sorry, have to get a top 15 running back, have to get a top 15 wide receiver. You would never do this. I would do this, but only in the right circumstance. Only if, you know, I'm looking at, I can't believe this wide receiver dropped to me after I drafted, you know, Julio Jones and Michael Thomas at 1-2. Maybe I get A.J. Green in the third round, and uh, maybe Zach Roach dropped to me in the fourth, or... Uh, yeah, that's the only situation I can possibly think where I would do it, but stuff like that does happen. No, it does happen. It absolutely does. And I can share a story right now. I actually, on Twitter, I started a draft the other day, a best ball league, and I invited followers to play in it. And I wound up with the number 11 pick in this draft. And I, um, I got to the 11th pick. I took Julio, like the top running backs were gone. Like running backs were flying. I took Julio. I got Michael Thomas at the 2-2 pick. Sweet. So no, no. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I I guess I'm waiting on running back. And I figured I was absolutely going to take one. And then Keenan Allen was still on the board at 311. And I was like, Keenan Allen or carry on Johnson. And so I took Keenan Allen. So I had three wide receivers to start. I really didn't. I don't like that feeling. Uh, And I did get carry on at 4-2. So like that was, I felt pretty lucky to get him there. Uh, But I don't. It, it's rough knowing that I don't have I have I don't have a running back on my roster that I don't think carry on has a chance at 300 touches. I don't, I don't think that that's even a possibility for him. So like understand, like play that scenario out. You know, that's why I do a lot of best ball drafts so I can I can f- understand how I feel after drafting the roster. It's like, do I feel OK with this? And I think carry on was like the best case scenario waiting until the fourth round. Uh, but again, if you're a zero running back purist, you're waiting until at least the fifth round. So would you be OK with Lamar Miller as your starting running back. That's the question you have That's to ask not yourself. what you would do, though. That At least this is my opinion. And like you said, there's a lot of disagreement. If you're going zero running back, you're not getting Lamar Miller as your number one. You're getting Tariq Cohen as your number one. You're getting one of these pass-catching running backs who you know every single week is going to pile up a couple of receptions and he's going to be safe. I guess Lamar Miller is kind of safe. Or this is the way I prefer to do it. I've done it this way before, uh, especially in best ball drafts. I don't know if I've done this in a redraft league, maybe in like a listener league where I wasn't like going. I, I wanted to experiment. I wasn't like playing with big money on the line or anything like that. What I would do is my first running back would be Latavius Murray. And then I would go get Rashad Penny, Royce Freeman, Jarek McKinnon. I'd get Carlos Hyde. I'm getting all these guys who have a chance to be studs, and I'm getting nine of them. And I know that of these nine, two, maybe even three or four, are going to work out. And I'm going to have an RB1 and an RB2 at the draft capital of just drafting seventh round and beyond running backs. And then I've got stud wide receivers, a great quarterback. I've got a great tight end. And that actually worked. Um, so I'm, I'd like to try it again. I don't know if I'm willing to do it in a big money league, but try a mock draft like that. Maybe I'll do it on the next show since, you know, I've already won. Everyone knows I can beat tags <laughs> whenever I want. And, uh, you know, I'll just kind of experience. So if anybody's like. contemplating, you know, like, what if I do a modified, like, I don't want to do a zero running back, but what if I do go wide receivers with my first two picks and then like third round? So the reason that, you know, we want one of those, you know, top 15 running backs is because we want a guy that's like locked into a lot of touches, right? So, 
I've been doing this like a study recently. You'd have to get Josh Jacobs. That would be your own, or Sony Michelle. Maybe know if Josh Jacobs is locked into 250 plus touches. I, I don't know if I can say that with like confidence. Um, just because like he has never he's never withstood a workload like that. He's never had more than 100 carries in a year. It's not to say he can't, but he just hasn't yet. So, um, but in, either way, from 2009 and to uh, 2013, that time period, there was an average of 17.6 running backs per year getting 250 plus touches. All right. 2014 to now we are getting an average of just 12 running backs hitting that number per year oh yikes so your rb1 and you know who they're gonna be it's never a surprise th- that's the thing is like, barring injury we can usually predict that and one of those guys it's like if you want to go with this this you know if you wanted julio jones and michael thomas that's awesome i love that start if you can get leonard fournette in the third you have just like literally hit a home run uh, with the first three rounds of your draft. And like you can't do any better than that. You really can't because Fournette is a guy that legitimately is locked into those 250 plus touches if healthy. Um, like he's actually locked into 300 plus if healthy because uh, 250 touches a game. Not many people realize this, Bobby. Again, we have an average of just 12 running backs hitting that since 2014. That's just 15.6 touches per game. That's not asking a whole lot. You said you can't do better than that. I'll do better than that. I'll take Saquon Barkley at 1-1, and then I'll take Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette at the turn, the 2-3 turn. Give me those three to start my draft. I'm happy. But then your wide receivers are going to look. Who cares, dude? I've got three <laughs> running back ones. You're going to fight me over this? Oh, yes, I would, because I don't. I, I think you can go two running back heavy. I think that okay. wide receivers are getting more and more difficult to find those. Those are actually... The wide receivers are just as easy to predict the workhorses in their offense. Like there's only that's true. Like last year, there was only nine wide receivers who saw more than 139 targets. Nine. Hey, let us know what you think on Twitter. If that if you think that strategy would work where you just get three total workhorses, Saquon, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette at the one, two, three. Or if you think, ah, but your wide receivers are going to suck. Yeah, I agree. The wide receivers are going to suck. But I think the running backs, well, you know. But I think the running backs uh, make up for it so much. So let us know at Bobby Fantasy Pro, at Mike Taglier NFL. And let me be clear. Like, if it's a standard league, I wouldn't hate that as much. Okay. PPR, I'd absolutely despise it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk late round quarterbacks because a lot of people are starting to do this. In your home leagues, people are even catching on because a lot more people are listening to podcasts, reading these articles, and pretty much uh, the entire expert industry. If you're looking at an expert mock draft, we're all waiting on quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes might go in the sixth round. I'm not joking either. Aaron Rodgers might go in the seventh or eighth round. And nobody's taken their, their, you know, the fifth quarterback off the board until round 13. I'm not kidding at all. That's the way that it should be. But in your home leagues, a lot of people are going to take the quarterbacks early. So maybe you'll be the only guy who waits on quarterback. Tags, I know you think this can be bad at a certain point. Can you tell them when that is? It can be bad at a certain point. You know, when you get down to those guys that are delivering quarterback, like you, if you're, it depends on your league. If your league is one that, you know, is, 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 you know, Pretty, we'll, we'll say in the middle. We'll say that they don't draft backup quarterbacks. We'll say that half the teams do. So you're talking about 18 quarterbacks. That's fine. I think you can play. This yeah. Then you're looking approach. at Lamar Jackson or Mitch Trubisky. That's yeah. Sign yeah. Me up. If you're yeah, if you're in a league where the 18 quarterbacks are drafted, like look at your league history. You know, you can go back on Yahoo, ESPN. You could look in your league history and find out how many quarterbacks are traditionally drafted. So therefore, you have an idea as to the streamers are going to be available to you. If you have 14 streamers per week available, you can do it. If everyone drafts a quarterback. No, you don't want to play that game because you don't, want to be, you don't want to be yeah. stuck. Because then it. you're looking at Sam Darnold or Nick Foles or Marcus Mariota. Who do I stream? Right. Yeah. yeah, and those guys are going to be extremely difficult to predict week over week. Um, but here's the thing. And the reason that late round quarterback works, and here's the thing that most experts understand. 
a lot of, you know, new fantasy players, you know, they, they get in, they see the massive totals that quarterbacks put up and they're like, well, this guy scored the most points. So why wouldn't he be the most you know popular? Yep. Because the reason is, is like finding that replace that the guy that's going to replace him every single week. Here's a fun fact, Bobby, since the start of 2000. Okay. There, a lot of quarterbacks have come in and out of the league. Did you know there have been just six quarterbacks during that entire time that have delivered top 12 numbers in at least 50% of their starts? Just six that entire time. Those quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, who has a 17-game sample. Deshaun Watson, who I actually love. I have him over Andrew Luck this week or this year. Aaron Rodgers. Andrew Luck is, is actually in that group. Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. That is it. That is it since 2000. No other quarterback has delivered QB1-type numbers more than half the time. That's crazy. So therefore, like when you get down to like the guys like Matt Ryan, the Drew Breeses, those guys are replaceable. Like half the time, they're not going to give you starting performances. So, so again, this, this all comes down to knowing your league In my home league, they used to draft backup quarterbacks and it was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to draft a quarterback, one that I feel comfortable with. Uh, but now they've, they've gotten smarter as the years have gone on. And now there's only like 14 quarterbacks drafted in my home league. And, uh, I can play the streaming game there. I'll just take a quarterback with one of my last picks and I'll be fine. Tags, I think next show we'll get into best ball strategies. Um, I do want to ask you, who do you have winning the NFC East? The NFC East, uh, it's got to be the Eagles. You think so? I'm going with the Cowboys again, man. The Cowboys, I don't know if I have much faith in Jason Garrett, but um, yeah. that would be I, my I second choice, though. Dak Prescott, the offensive line, the defense, Amari Cooper's there, Ezekiel Elliott, you just talked about drafting him 1-1. Since Dak Prescott came into the league, he's second in wins behind Tom Brady. He's got 32 wins in three years. Yep, that's it's pretty crazy. And that's what I'm saying. Dak, I, I've always said that Dak is better than people think. Yeah. By the way, in those three years, he has the most game-winning drives, too. 14. Tony Romo was underrated, too. I think people just don't like Cowboys quarterbacks. I understand, like, the 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 want to dislike them. But, it, you know, it's fantasy. We play to win. Yeah. All right. I did say that we we're going to do three truths and a lie at the end of the show. Uh, Tags, do you have three for us? Mm-hmm. Or four, I guess? All right. Why don't you go first? I actually improvise this one. So I'm going to give you five statements and you're going to have to pick which one is the lie. All right. Okay. One, the fastest ball carrier during the 2018 season was Tyreek Hill. Two, Robert Woods saw six more targets than Odell Beckham in 2018, but scored over 30 more fantasy points. Three, Christian McCaffrey allowed the most quarterback hits in the NFL. Four, Chris Godwin has averaged more fantasy points on the perimeter than he has in the slot. And five, Lamar Jackson set the record for rushing attempts by a quarterback in 2018. Even though he didn't play the full season. Um, Okay, so I I intentionally didn't say anything while Tags was saying it because um, I wanted you guys to be able to think for it and answer for yourselves. But I know what the correct answer is. Tags, you've talked to me about Godwin. I know the Lamar Jackson one, even though he didn't play the full season. I forget what the other ones were, but the one that's not true, it's not... Tyreek Hill, the fastest. It's Matt Breida. He was the fastest running back in the NFL. That is absolutely correct, Bobby. Matt Breida delivered the fastest like recorded time. It's like a next gen stat where Matt Breida was like twenty two point something miles an hour. He actually recorded the fastest time in the two thousand eighteen season. It was not Tyreek Hill. Yeah, isn't that wild? You know man? what else is crazy? People think of like Leonard Fournette as just like a a, a, you know, a scat back or, or a power back, but he actually is. He's one of the highest running backs. Like in both of his first two seasons, he's delivered some crazy high scores in that too. He's amazing, isn't he? He is. If he can only stay healthy. Yep. All right. Here's mine. I took it a different way. It's all about me. Um, <laughs> all right. Three truths and one lie. Right. Tags, you're gonna get a kick out all of this. Right. I participated in the Masters of Musical Whistling World Championship. I'm a practiced equestrian. That's a horseback rider. I was a multiple sport college recruit, and I am the defending champion of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast Mock Draft. 
<laughs> so I know three and four are true. Uh, I know that. And um, the horseback riding thing. Can you name the sports, by the way? Uh, it was baseball. Baseball was one, uh, but I don't know the other one. What was it? Oh, there were two others. Oh, there was two others. What were the two others? Soccer and basketball. Nice. Um, all right. So the horseback riding, it seems like it's just that. That one just seems like it's obvious that you would be able to. The whistling thing is too obscure. I'm going to go with horseback riding is the, is the one that you uh, that's that's false. The horseback riding's false. I'm going to say think, that that one's. I'm, I'm a that one's great false. horseback rider. Are you serious? One of the greatest you've maybe the greatest you've ever met. I haven't met a whole lot of horseback riders. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, I can ride horses. Uh, I did not participate in the Masters of Musical Whistling World Championship. I'm sure they'd love to have me. I don't have time for that. That would have been the most Bobby thing ever, actually. <laughs> um, that, that was going to be my choice. But I was like, who makes that up? Who comes up with this stuff? And, and I should have known it was you. Yep. All right, man. That's all for today's show. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to be coming out with more division previews in the future. It's not just going to be that, but we do want to make sure and touch every single fantasy relevant player. That's going to be over 200 by the time it's all said and done. Because there's some players that we've talked about a ton. Uh, David Moore, got to get my quote in for the week. And there's a couple players we haven't talked about at all. And hopefully we hit some of those for you today. Uh, Really appreciate you all listening. And thanks to the sponsor of today's show pristineauction.com that's p-r-i-s-t-i-n-e and make sure to get your entry in for the signed travis kelsey helmet at fantasybros.com slash contest for mike tagliere i'm bobby sylvester thanks for listening and enjoy your football i just wanted you to watch me dissolve